0: Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: There are three more times that Daniel emphasizes the boastful words of the Antichrist in chapter seven, verse 11, verse 20, verse 25. One of the characteristics of the Antichrist is he's very anti-God. Now he's super religious. He's gonna be a very charismatic, he's gonna be very political, very spiritual, religious guy, but he has no allegiance to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, he's Antichrist. He's opposed to the things of Christ. He's opposed to the things of God.
0: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Daniel. What are some of the characteristics of the Antichrist? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Gary, he teaches you that Jesus' return is near and you should be alert. The Antichrist is also coming. Some of his characteristics are that he will be boastful, religious, and charismatic. However, Pastor Gary explains that he will be Antichrist. He will be against the things of God and will be opposed to Jesus. The Antichrist will also seek to be worshipped and oppose the worship of Jesus Christ. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, as he begins his message, The Coming Antichrist. An door, and the Daniel 7.
1: And let me give a little backdrop to the story before we start reading here in chapter 7. You'll notice the way that uh, chapter 6 ended. If you are new to Cornerstone, we just go straight through the Bible cover to cover. And uh, last week's story was Daniel and the Lion's that one of the most familiar stories in all of the Bible. But if you'll notice the way chapter 6 ends, verse 28, it just simply said this, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Well, that actually tells us this is the conclusion of Daniel's life and ministry. In fact, back in chapter 1 of Daniel, verse 21, it tells us when it gave an overview of Daniel's ministry that he served the kings of Babylonia and Persia up until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia. Well, chapter 6 ends with the first year of the reign of King Cyrus, so it tells us basically that chapter 6 ends the historical narrative on Daniel's life and ministry. He had a very prolific career, if you can use that term. Obviously, it was a calling by God, but for 65 years, he ministered to various kings in Babylonia and Persia being used by God as, a, as an instrument to really touch the hearts of these kings and, and to really, for all intents and purposes, promote God to these pagan kings who otherwise probably would never have heard about God or understood Him, let alone beheld His, his glory in different ways. And so we have no record of Daniel's death nor do we know where he is buried. But chapter 6 concludes the historical narrative of Daniel's 65-year career serving all these various kings. So then, now we're here in chapter 7, and the whole book of Daniel pivots right here. And we're only halfway through. And so if if the first six chapters are are really the conclusion of Daniel's life and ministry, then what's the rest of the book about? Well, I'm glad you asked the question. Here in chapter 7, there's this dramatic shift where the narrative pivots from the historic to the prophetic. So those of you who love Bible prophecy, you're going to love the last half of the book of Daniel in particular because we're looking future now. We're looking forward. And and so really the book of Daniel can be seen as having two halves, the first half, chapters 1 through 6, the second half, chapter 7 through 12. And this is how it breaks down for you note-takers. Daniel 1 through 6 is an historical narrative, and it covers the life of Daniel, roughly 65 years from the time that he was taken as this Jewish teenager as a captive of war in 606 B.C., and transported from Jerusalem all the way to Babylonia, where he is groomed as this advisor to the king, and he will serve various kings over the next 65 years. That's chapters 1 through 6, all this historic narrative about his life and his ministry. Then chapter 7 through 12 is really a prophetic journal. Daniel is going to write an addendum that he attaches here to his book. And so the last half is basically a large addendum. And it's a compilation of various dreams that God gave him and visions that God gave him of things that are yet to happen. And I'm talking yet to happen even in our lifetime. There are things prophetically here between chapters 7 and 12 that have not yet been fulfilled even in our lifetime. We're going to talk about it today. But because of its high prophetic content in the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel has often been referred to as the little revelation of the Bible. You have uh, the book of Revelation in your New Testament, and the book of Daniel is somewhat the apocalypse of the Old Testament, and it, and it just talks about a lot of things that even, even very similar to what the book of Revelation talks about. It is important to note as we head into chapter 7 through 12 now over the next couple of weeks to note with me that these chapters are not in chronological order. Again, this is an addendum that is attached to the historic narrative, and, and thus they're, they're kind of random. They're random dreams and random visions that Daniel has recorded. He's made a journal of these things, and then he attaches it as one lump sum, one addendum here at the latter half of the book of Daniel. And so it doesn't follow any particular order. Every dream and vision that we read about in chapter 7 through 12 happens sometime in Daniel's life between chapters 1 through 6, even though it points to stuff way in the future. Okay, so it's not in chronological order. For example, just look here at chapter 7, verse 1. We find out that this dream that he has occurred in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Well, Belshazzar was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar died in chapter 5 of Daniel. So again, he's attaching this prophetic journal, and he's saying, here's some various dreams and visions that God gave me. And the first one he's going to tell us here in chapter 7 happened sometime Before chapter 5, because Belshazzar dies at the end of chapter 5. So everything we're about to read now from this point forward in the book of Daniel from chapter 7 through 12 are prophetic, and these prophecies were given to Daniel at various times over the course of his life, his life of course recorded in the first six chapters. The future events that Daniel sees and records in the second half of this book are so intense and so overwhelming to him so dramatic that it affects him physically. He gets physically ill when he sees these things and when he writes these things down. In fact, you can just take a glance at chapter 8, verse 27. In chapter 8, 27, he just concludes all of this by saying, chapter 8, verse 27, And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. So, see, he says, you know, this stuff was so overwhelming to me; it made me physically ill. And so, we're going to take a look here at what troubled Daniel so much and what made him so physically ill. And by the time we get to the end of our study today, you might be feeling in a similar way. And uh, and and I'll and I'll beat you to the punchline more so than you normally are when you sit through one of my teachings. Okay. Now, the reason why this is so overwhelming to him, what we're going to note in today's study through mainly chapter 7, but I'll refer to chapter 8 a little bit, is that Daniel writes here in these two chapters about the new world order that is coming. He doesn't use that term, but that's that's what he describes. There's a new world order that is coming in terms of world powers and world dominance. The Bible tells us this. And as part of the new world order, there will arise A person on the world scene that the Bible refers to as the Antichrist. He is coming. He may perhaps already be here. He might be in the political wings, or maybe he's not even been born yet. Depends on, you know, the the timeline of some of these things. But it it wouldn't be surprising if if he's here, if he exists. I I don't know, because I don't know how close we are to the return of Christ. And some of these things obviously have to transpire prior to the return of Christ. But there will be a real person who will be possessed by the spirit of Satan who will come onto the world scene and be a world dictator, and the Bible refers to him as the Antichrist. So this is what Daniel is giving us a glimpse about, and so we're going to be talking about this today. Daniel is shown a vision of one who will be empowered by Satan, who will arise from a new world order to dominate the world who will oppose God and everyone who worships God, and who will demand to be worshiped himself. That's part of what the Antichrist is about. Paul writes about him in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. John writes about him in 1 John and the book of Revelation. And Daniel writes about him here in chapter 7, 8, and actually some into chapter 9. So let's read a little bit here from chapter 7, and then we'll talk about this today. So Daniel chapter 7, I'm going to start at verse 1 down through verse 8. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed, and then he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, "'I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea.'" And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little horn, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking Pompous words. Jump over further in the chapter to verse 21. I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came. That's, that's the Lord. And a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. This is the Antichrist. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change rhyme times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time, meaning three and a half years. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away His dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom, this is the Lord's kingdom, is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed But I kept the matter in my heart. So this is somewhat heavy stuff. I will also say at the onset of this Bible study that I don't want to uh, be dogmatic about these things. I'm going to do the best I can to give some interpretation. This is kind of a collective interpretation of various Bible scholars. This is not to say that this is the only way that the symbolism can be interpreted, but this is my slant on it, and so this is, this is how I'm going to present it based on the context and, and the best we can in using Scripture to balance Scripture with Scripture. What we do know this much is that chapter 7 begins with this description that Daniel has of four beasts. And he talks about these beasts, which he mentions as like a lion, like a bear, like a leopard. And then like a beast, this unknown, undescribed animal. And, and what we find out from verse 17 is that these are not actual animals. These animals are just representative of something. And what we find is that they represent kingdoms led by four kings. This is what verse 17 says. It says, those great beasts which are four are four kings which arise out of the earth. And and so, what Daniel sees is that there's going to be a certain climate, a certain condition of the earth at the time that the Antichrist rises to power and prominence. And so, Daniel is describing through this vision the kind of characteristics of the world and world powers at this time when the Antichrist will arise. And so, he's describing it with this vision of having these four beasts. Now, It appears in the language that he's not talking about successive world powers, like was the case back in chapter 2. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar had this vision of this statue with metals that were more precious at the top and got less precious and less valuable at the feet of this statue, and those were empires that were progressive. It started with the Babylonian Empire, and then the Medo-Persian Empire, and then the Greeks, and then the Romans. Okay, that was a progressive thing, and it it was successive empires and kingdoms, It doesn't appear to be that way in this case. It appears that he sees all these animals all at once. All these animals represent four kings slash kingdoms that are concurrent, that are contemporary at the time that Antichrist comes to power. And so what are these these contemporary world powers that seem to be in play at the time that the Antichrist is revealed or comes into prominence. So the first one that he speaks about here is like a lion. And again, this is somewhat speculative, but trying to put together, tie together symbolism and Bible prophecy, best guess is that when he speaks about the lion, well, the lion probably portrays a British-American alliance, which we currently have. I mean, uh, the Brits are, are some of our best allies in the world and vice versa. The lion, obviously, is a national symbol of Great Britain, and it's interesting that the national symbol of Great Britain, the lion is standing on its hind feet like a man, which is exactly what verse 4 says, that the hind legs, the lion is standing on its hind legs upright like a man, and that this lion has wings of an eagle but that the wings get plucked and get separated from the lion. So it could be this biblical symbolism of the United States, where we eventually separated from Great Britain, the American Revolution in 1776. It's as if the the wings of the eagle were plucked from the back of the lion. Obviously, our national symbol is an eagle, so it's likely that it speaks here that the United States will have a strong alliance, as we currently do, with Great Britain. That's going to be one facet of world power at the time the Antichrist arises. And then the next animal that he sees here, this next beast, is a bear. And, of course, we have to blame Russia for everything these days, and so we're going to blame them for the end times, too, because it appears here that the bear represents Russia. I mean, since since the 16th century, a bear has been the national symbol of Russia, the Russian Empire, and then the Soviet Union, and the present-day Russian Federation. And then it gets a little trickier. The next animal that he sees that is a picture of a world power, a world kingdom, is a leopard with four heads. It is likely that this leopard with four heads represents some kind of alliance among four Islamic states, either Central Asia or the Middle East. Some Bible scholars say it could be an African conglomeration of four Islamic states. We don't really know, but um, best guess is it's probably in that, in that area of either either Asia or Middle East, some alliance between four Islamic nations. And, and then we notice he, he also sees here this fourth beast that is not really an, an animal per se. It's kind of this amalgam of a, a creature, and it, it has ten horns. And this last creature that we just called a beast in this, in this story has these ten horns, which seem to point to a ten-nation European confederation. Now, this is exactly what the book of Revelation talks about as well, that there will come a time when the world will be divided into ten geographical regions, dominated by ten kings or ten dictators of some kind. Now, I know it seems a little far-fetched for us right now, But I've never lived in a time, you've never lived in a time, when there's been more talk about the dissolution of national borders, as we're hearing today, that it's almost like borders are offensive to people. And so, therefore, there's this great debate in our own country about a wall or no wall, because, you know, after all, walls seem to send a message that our arms are not open, and so maybe we should just get rid of borders. This this is the kind of talk that is happening, not just in our country, but really around the world, case in point. Jean-Claude Juncker, who is the president of the European Commission, which is the executive branch of the European Union. Jean-Claude Juncker has suggested that countries in Europe get rid of national borders when he said on August the 22nd, 2015, and I quote, borders are the worst invention ever made by politicians, end quote. At a speech at the ALPAC European Forum in Austria in 2016, Mr. Juncker used the word anti-nationhood and was in favor of moving the EU toward what he called, quote, globalization. So there is this movement afoot that is going to play right into this ten-nation confederation the Bible says is going to happen in the world, where it's just going to be, let's get rid of national borders and let's divide the globe into these ten geographical regions. It's not just Jean-Claude Juncker who is suggesting these kind of things. Even in the United States, we're hearing some politicians and former politicians saying things along these lines. In fact, in 2013, ABC News reported that in a leaked email sent by Hillary Clinton to a Brazilian bank, she wrote, this is according to ABC News, she wrote, quote, My dream is a hemispheric common market with open trade and open borders, end quote. So this is the kind of mentality that is sweeping our world right now. It's going to to play right into the hands of this ten-nation confederation. But what Daniel sees here in verse 8 is that out of these ten horns emerge a little horn. And Revelation tells us that the ten-nation confederation will turn and give their power to one among them. And so in verse 8 here of Daniel 7, the verse simply says this, I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. And so out of the ten kings will come one who will speak proud, boastful, blasphemous words. And this one who emerges to be a world dictator is none other than the antichrist. There are three more times that Daniel emphasizes the boastful words of the antichrist in chapter 7, verse 11, verse 20, verse 25. One of the characteristics of the antichrist is he's very anti-God. Now, he's super religious. He's going to be a very charismatic. He's going to be very political, very spiritual, religious guy, but he has no allegiance to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, he's anti-Christ. He's opposed to the things of Christ. He's opposed to the things of God. Jump in and you'll find the cornerstones. Your connection Run towards your new life.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Cornerstone Connection to study the book of Daniel. This man of faith lived in a time where Israel wasn't a nation. They didn't even live in their own homeland. Yet people like Daniel and his friends continued to serve the Lord, even when it wasn't widely accepted. They faced persecution, even to the point of death. Yet they remained firmly planted in the truth of God's word. While today you may not be facing a lion's den or a furnace if you profess your trust in Christ, you may indeed face opposition. God is still calling you to stand strong and to tell the truth, helping others to see the light. Your Creator is with you and will be your strength through whatever comes your way. Please know that we're praying for you here at Cornerstone Connection. If there's something specific we could be lifting up to the Lord, please get in touch with us. Our number is 703-771-1500. That's 703-771-1500. Do you have a church family? If not, we'd love to step into that role for you. You're invited to be part of our weekly services here at Cornerstone Chapel. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to get the latest information on service times, and regulations so that you can join us safely, either in person or online. You can also visit our Facebook page for information. You'll find a link at cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection. They
1: say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go Still you know You're not